Welcome to the Don't Be a Karen podcast, where we talk about the craziest Karens in retail. Hello and welcome to or welcome back to the Don't Be a Karen podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Torgler, and today we are going to be doing something a little bit different. Today, I have invited a very special guest to speak with us today, well, with me today. Um, I have invited Dr. Michael Leslie, and Dr. Leslie is a licensed counselor, and he has received a bachelor's degree in psychology a master's degree in clinical rehabilitation counseling and a PhD in counselor education and supervision from Kent State. So I've invited Dr. Leslie to speak with me about verbal aggression and kind of really dig into what that means and how that kind of plays out and the effects that verbal aggression has on the receivers. And so I have conducted this interview through zoom so if the audio is a little bit choppy that's that's why so without further ado let's get right into it what would you say like the definition for verbal aggression is just so we can give listeners an idea of what kind of verbal aggression that we're talking about yeah that's a great question i'm going to actually pull up i believe there's a definition from um see Thinking verbal hostility, verbal aggression, right? Very similar. Uh, If you were to define the behavior itself, would you say it was like threatening or screaming or insulting, cursing at people, right? There's several different behaviors that we would lump in that category. Generally speaking, we would say that a person might be trying to gain control over a situation kind of bully their way through, right? If you think of like an analogy, like a car, they're just kind of running everybody else off the road, um, right. right? They want their point to get across. They want what they think to be moved forward or whatever they want. They want that to happen and they want any opposition to kind of be put aside, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So what do you think causes verbal aggression in some people? Are you asking what is happening for the person in the situation, right? So there's a lot of answers to that question. Are we talking like what's going on in their brain? Are we talking what's going on in their thought processes? Are we talking what's going on in the situation? Because I think those are the like three different areas where you could kind of contextually say there's a situation that's occurring, right? Mm -hmm. So I maybe in a grocery store or in a, in a retail store, there's a situation occurring in which verbal aggression happens. There's also something going on chemically organically in that person's brain and there's also the thought processes that that person is having at the same time so i'd say it's a combination of all three of those things right um it's a combination of what's going on in the brain it's a combination of what thought processes they currently are experiencing and it's a combination of the situation right like what is in the environment triggering them to want to be verbally aggressive or to to be verbally aggressive Mm-hmm. So is there like a, a certain like part of the brain or like chemical in the brain that causes verbal aggression? So I can answer aggression. Uh, I, I don't know that I can answer verbal aggression, but I, I would say we can safely say that what's going on in the brain to cause aggression would lead to verbal aggression, right? So there's not one part of the brain, but there is a neural circuit that mediates almost exclusively aggressive behavior, Okay. Mm-hmm. So that part of the brain is called the ventromedial hypothalamus. 
Okay. And so it's a brain circuit or what you can call it the VMH. So ventromedial hypothalamus or VMH. It's a relatively small part of the brain. It's only about 3000 neurons. Okay. In the context of billions of neurons in your brain, it's not that big. And that area of the brain, there's been research time and time and time again, has shown that if you stimulate that part of the brain, that circuit in the brain in certain animals, they will almost immediately start attacking and exhibiting extremely aggressive behavior. Okay. What's, yeah. So it's almost exclusively this part of the brain that would be mediating aggressive behavior. And I think we could assume that verbal aggression would, would go hand in hand with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, are there chemicals, you mentioned chemicals. So are there chemicals in the brain you ask that mediate aggression? There's one stress hormone or, or there's hormones in the brain, right? When, when they get in the brain, we call them neurotransmitters. One specifically, interestingly enough, would be estrogen, okay? And, and now, for those of you that are very familiar with, with sex hormones, testosterone and estrogen, most people think testosterone is the aggressive hormone, right? That's actually not necessarily true. What's true is that testosterone can prime us for certain behaviors. It can kind of create pressure, okay? So that's why people tend to think, well, males are, are aggressive because they have lots of testosterone. Not necessarily true. What testosterone does is it really makes you very competitive, okay? It, it makes you want to go and try to achieve things and compete. Um, it ignore a lot of other things on, in um, search of this goal. Now, sometimes that will lead to aggression. It can prime somebody for aggression, but it doesn't cause aggression, okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. What's interesting, is in this area in the brain, there's a chemical that breaks down testosterone and turns it into estrogen, and that's actually what causes aggression, oh, interestingly really interesting. enough. It's like super like common and stereotypical that, you know, guys are like super aggressive and everyone thinks it's because of the testosterone, so... Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily true. In fact, if you go to like a bodybuilding gym and meet a, a guys that are going to be like massive, often they're just giant teddy bears, right? Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's true. Testosterone does not necessarily equal aggression, which is really interesting. And in fact, we've scientifically shown that estrogen in this area of your brain is actually what causes people to be aggressive. Other two neurotransmitters that we're particularly concerned with, with regard to aggression. One, these don't necessarily cause, but they create an environment in which aggression is more likely to happen. If you have really high levels of cortisol, okay, which is your stress hormone, mm -hmm. that triggers more aggressive behavior. You will be more likely to exhibit aggressive behavior if you have higher levels of cortisol. So cortisol is that hormone that is caused or it's released when we experience a lot of stress, okay, when we're under a lot of stress. So if you think people more stressed out, more likely to be aggressive, right? Number two, serotonin. Lower levels of serotonin tend to lead to higher levels of aggression. So there's an inverse relationship between serotonin and aggression. So if you think about serotonin is kind of the feel-good chemical in your brain, which it, it, not necessarily, but, you know, like loosely speaking, we can say that. So it's people take SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors to increase serotonin in their brain when they're experiencing like depression, have low moods, right? And that there's some evidence that that helps. So serotonin being higher means you're less likely to be aggressive. Serotonin being lower means you're more likely to be aggressive. So to kind of sum all of that up, higher levels of cortisol, lower levels of serotonin equals more likely to be aggressive. Higher levels of estrogen in this very specific part of the brain or testosterone being converted into estrogen in this very specific part of the brain leads to aggression. That's interesting. 
would you say that like verbal aggression is very common or like how common is verbal aggression like given all these factors i would say that it's really difficult to give a statistic right mm-hmm. on how common verbal aggression is i would say that I mean, think about your everyday. I would say that most people experience verbal aggression relatively frequently. I mean, maybe not every day, but I'm sure you either experience it or see it, it, you know, at least once every few days, once a week, right? What's interesting is that there are some statistics on surveys of people that are working, for example. And in those surveys, they say about 12 to 13% of people experience verbal aggression from their coworkers. So this is kind of in a work environment, or I'm assuming some of those people probably work with customers. So maybe they're experiencing verbal aggression from customers, right? It's interesting as we're talking about these things, because your podcast, we're talking about customers, right? Like if you're being a Karen, right? This idea of like going to the store and seeing a lady really upset. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Just a reminder, you're listening to the Don't Be a Karen podcast. I am your host, Ariel Torgler, and I am speaking with special guest, Dr. Michael Leslie. And now, back to the interview. So what what impact does verbal aggression have on the receiver? I think you can imagine it has a pretty strong impact on the person who's receiving, and especially if they're exposed to it chronically. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they're in a situation where they're constantly being exposed to verbal aggression, that could have a, a very wide swath of negative impact. Right. I mean, certainly it could be traumatic for some people or exposure to it over the long term could lead to a trauma like response. It certainly would impact your self-esteem, your self-image, especially if the person is saying negative things about you as your person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it could lead to high levels in cortisol for that person, right? Because they might be afraid and and might that might trigger their their stress response, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're feeling unsafe or feeling angry or, or upset themselves, right? There's all kinds of different emotions that, that could trigger for somebody. So it I would say all side effects would be negative, right? Yeah. Um and it would be very easily if you're if you're exposed to that from multiple sources or from from the same source over a long period of time to internalize a lot of those whatever's being said to you in a negative way and 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 that would definitely influence the way that you envision yourself your mood your behaviors and you know even further than that talk about brain chemistry right you experiencing a lot of cortisol and and maybe negative emotions and such yourself mm-hmm. yeah through experiencing all of that, is there a possibility that all of this could like permanently impact the brain, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to use the example of children. Okay. And and so thinking about a, a child, we have these things called ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. There's a ton of research that people have done on, on ACEs. And we talk about ACEs quite a bit. Say somebody, a child is exposed to verbal aggression from a parental figure, a guardian, an adult figure in their life that they're exposed to constantly, it would be reasonable to expect that that child would feel unsafe and would likely be experiencing high levels of cortisol, okay? Mm -hmm. So again, you trigger that fight or flight, that stress response that people experience, and then your body will eventually flood itself with cortisol to try to bring yourself back. Long-term exposure to cortisol has been shown to shrink different parts of the brain, okay, over time. 
so wow. it does cause permanent damage and what's interesting is that one of the areas that it's shown to have a negative impact on over time is actually the same area that regulates your stress response so it's kind of a snowball effect so if you have a lot of cortisol, it'll damage this part of your brain that regulates your stress response. So the next time you have a lot of cortisol, you have even a harder time managing your emotions and your impulses, right? And bringing yourself back in to a, a stable state. And so it really snowballs to the point where somebody that's exposed to that would likely over the long term have a really hard time regulating their own stress response, potentially re regulating their emotions and their impulses. So it really could kind of be cyclical, right? So if you could imagine a scenario where a parent verbally abuses a child year and year and year and year and years over, that could have a negative impact on that child's brain, which would then maybe potentially make them more likely based on their own brain chemistry to be more impulsive, more angry, less in control of their own stress response. And so if they had children, they might end up doing the same thing to their children, strictly from a biological standpoint, right? Which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there a way to like reverse or like fix the part of the brain that is like shrunken or is it just kind of like stuck like that? Yes and no, right? So our, our brains are what you might call very live wired. People use the term neuroplasticity, but that probably doesn't even do it justice. The brain is very resilient and it can bounce back, but over long, long, long periods of time of being exposed to certain things, there is some permanent damage or there can be some permanent damage. The good news is the younger somebody is, the more able they are typically to bounce back from certain types of, of damages. But the the bad news is in, in some cases full recovery of, of that functioning isn't necessarily always possible. So you could definitely improve it. You could see some improvement, but there might be a ceiling on what or how much improvement somebody could have. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So kind of going back to Karen's and like verbal aggression in like a store retail environment kind of thing. Do you think mm -hmm. that people accomplish their goal using verbal aggression? Wow, that's a great question. You start getting into the complexity of like what is goal setting and directed behavior, right? I'm not 100% sure that people necessarily have a specific goal in mind. I think it's important to remember that like aggression is a process, okay? Mm -hmm. It's not like a switch that someone flips on and off. It has kind of a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it can be both proactive and reactive, okay? So there's proactive aggression, reactive aggression. The type you're talking about, if I'm understanding you correctly, is more proactive. So this person is initiating the mm -hmm. aggression. Oftentimes or sometimes that person might be doing so because they feel like they're the victim of something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they feel like they've been targeted. So maybe in their mind, they might feel like they're reacting to a situation. So it, it's really difficult to kind of parse all of that out. Mm -hmm. Um even if you know the specific situation, you really kind of have to climb up in the person's head and try to figure out what's going on here. But again, very difficult to say. So say the person is arguing because they think that they should be able to combine coupons, mm -hmm. right? And they're not able to. So then they start screaming at the person. I mean, I guess you would say, do they accomplish their goal? Well, if their goal is to combine coupons, if somebody eventually gives them the discount that they're wanting, then I guess that would mean they accomplish their goal technically, right? 
in a very more abstract way, maybe you're asking if their goal is to achieve power or control over a situation, even if they don't get the discount, if they belittled somebody else, right? Did they then achieve power or control over the situation? Maybe. That's a great question. I think it would be, is that their perspective? Do they feel gratified that they maintain some kind of control over the situation? If so, then maybe. Right. Would you say that there is a correlation between like verbal aggression and entitlement? Because since I've worked in retail, I've seen like a lot of people who think that like, just because they didn't know something, they should be able to do this kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great question. Short answer, yes, I think so. So what you're getting at, remember earlier I said, what causes verbal aggression? There's Mm -hmm. what's going on in the person's brain. Right. There's the situation, but then there's also what's going on in their their thought processes, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say. Entitlement speaks to people's beliefs about the world, okay? In therapy world, we call these our activating beliefs. So some people might feel like, uh, the world isn't fair. And what's the, what are their beliefs about other people? Nobody likes me, right? So those would be beliefs and your beliefs influence how you feel and what you do, right? Mm-hmm. So what your question is, is somebody feeling entitled? So if I was to break that out, what is entitlement? Entitlement is believing that I'm owed this thing, mm-hmm. even if other people don't get it, or even if I didn't earn it or whatever that might be, right? So I am owed this thing, whatever it might be. So yeah, I would say entitlement does play a role because if you think about it, if you feel like, give me an example, if you can, of a retail situation where somebody got aggressive and I can try to break it down given that example. Yeah. So the last place that I worked at, the store return policy was store credit only. And so some people claim that they didn't know the return policy, even though it's printed at the bottom of their seat and it was like on the counters as well. And so they thought that just because they quote unquote didn't know what the Mm -hmm. return policy was, they should be able to get their return in their original form of payment, even though it's clearly put on their receipt and it's on the counters and stuff like that. And so when we disagreed saying, oh, that's, you know, not our store policy, then sometimes people got a little bit verbally aggressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you can figure out what's going on in somebody's mind there, right? Mm-hmm. I think you could sum most of that up by saying that they're thinking that this is unfair, right? That I'm being treated unfairly. So I'm being targeted. So often aggression happens out of a point where you feel like something's happening to you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I very loosely use the term victim. The person feels like they've been victimized in some way, shape, or form. And so in this case, they feel like the store and who is the person that is the representative for the store in front of them, right, is is you, who is the the customer service rep, right, or whoever's right in front of them, the the retail salesperson. And so they are taking out their aggression toward this unfair policy, right, on you, the person, right, Mm -hmm. because they're upset that they feel like they're being treated unfairly. So again, thought is, Mm -hmm. I'm being treated unfairly. This person who represents the store is doing this to me. Emotion Mm -hmm. is maybe anger or frustration or upsetness, sadness, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Behavior is then starting to become aggressive. So once that arousal starts to happen, the person can really escalate pretty quickly, depending again on their emotional control. And if they continue to feed into that, right? So if the next interaction with you is, 
no, you know, I'm sorry, even mm -hmm. though you didn't know this, it's still the policy and I can't do anything for you. Mm -hmm. They might continue to say, well, now this person is, is, you know, it being extremely unfair, right? Now they're not understanding that I, I should have an exception or they should go get their manager or I'm important. So somebody important from the store should be talking to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really kind of triggers this snowball effect, which leads them to become more angry, become more aggressive, to think that they're being treated unfairly even more. And it, you know, so unless mm -hmm. there's something to interrupt that cycle mm -hmm. and de-escalate, and the person, it could be the person themselves realizes, hey, this is silly. This person doesn't represent the store. This could be my daughter or my sister or my brother or, you know, whoever it might be. Right. I shouldn't take it out on right. them. They didn't make this policy. It's not their fault. Mm -hmm. Like that person could think that and it would break the cycle right or somebody could say something like hey it's you know it's not this person's fault like let's relax and if it's somebody they trust it's not they feel like attacking them like maybe a, a partner or a child or a parent maybe it would de-escalate but mm -hmm. so long as that cycle isn't broken it will continue to escalate more than likely okay gotcha so one final question um i know you kind of touched on this as well but if you were in like the workers shoes mm -hmm. what would be in your professional opinion the best way to de-escalate this kind of situation yeah so that's hard because it depends on a specific situation right but mm -hmm. generally speaking the best way to break that cycle of escalation would be to find something that you can take personal responsibility for, right? So what's the natural thing that a person does when somebody gets aggressive? They either A, become defensive, mm -hmm. right? And start trying to deflect it or make excuses, which typically escalates the situation even more. Yeah. <laughs> or B, they become counter-aggressive, right? They become aggressive back toward that person, mm -hmm. which again, escalates the situation. Yeah. So those are the two things you don't want to do. You don't want to become defensive mm -hmm. because that will add, you know, gasoline to the fire, so to speak. Mm -hmm. and you don't certainly don't want to become aggressive back toward that person because again, it's going to have that gasoline to the fire response. So maybe you might say something on the lines of, I, I'm trying to use your example of the, the store credit. Yeah. You know, I totally understand this happens to this happens to a lot of people. I can appreciate that this is very upsetting for you. So you you could try to empathize, right? To kind of meet them where they are and say, hey, I understand this is really frustrating. You could maybe even take their side. Like, you know, I, I don't think it's really fair, but unfortunately, I'm not allowed to do anything with it, right? This right. is just kind of my job. <laughs> I, I so, so I'm sure you're trying to say, you know, I'm sorry, like, I don't make the store policy. This is the right. policy, right? right? Which is sort of that, but I think even more so like connecting with their frustration or meeting them where they're at, trying to de-escalate that way. Again, making excuses, becoming defensive and or being counter-aggressive, that's just going to make things worse. And not responding to them at all will, will sometimes make them kind of chase after you right? So if yeah. you do a thing we call like stonewalling, like you, if, if you ignore them, mm -hmm. which some people would say, oh, just ignore them. <laughs> Can't always do that in a retail situation. Well, yeah. When they feel like they're being ignored, right? They have a tendency to like chase validation and they will get sometimes even more aggressive and, and more loud or in, in more accusatory mm -hmm. just to feel like they're being heard. Right. So I think what's most important is to make sure somebody feels heard, make sure that as best you can, you feel like you understand them and you understand where they're coming from. And hopefully that helps to try to break that kind of internal escalation cycle that's going on for them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, that's yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for answering all my <laughs> questions and joining me today. Yeah, of course. Okay, I'm going to let you go. So thank you so very much for joining me. After speaking with Dr. Leslie, I learned so many things that I didn't know before. I think the thing that stood out the most to me was that repeated exposure to verbal aggression can literally cause parts of your brain to shrink, which is absolutely insane, and it really puts things into perspective. Like, moral of the story, be aware of your words, because you know what? They can cause people's brains to shrink. <laughs> so I think the only tip that I'm going to say about this to avoid being a Karen is don't be verbally aggressive, you know? Sometimes there are moments in life where you just have to accept the fact that, yeah, this is unfair, and yeah, it really sucks, but you know what? No one can really do anything about it, and so you just kind of have to take it in stride and move on with your day. Now, don't be a Karen because we are out of time. Please tune in next week for more episodes. Thank you for listening to the Don't Be a Karen podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe.